This is the Ops Authority Podcast, where my mission is to break down the backside of your business so you can take the right actions to grow and scale. Hey, I'm Natalie Gingrich, a small business operations expert, and I'm going to give you a front row seat to real solutions that will help you reach the vision that you have for your business, all while equipping you to put out those inevitable pesky fires and those fears that pop up. Listen in for strategies to grow your team, craft the systems and processes that you need for your business, and establish business foundations that you may have skipped over. I know you're ready to do really big things, so let's do it together. Alrighty, friends, you are in luck today. We have got an interview with someone who is really an icon in this space and has served as a great counterpart to me, a great peer, and someone I enjoy learning from. We share a brain and we also have really separate independent opinions. And it's really cool to be in connection with people just like that. So on today's podcast, we are so fortunate to have Veronica Romney here to talk to us all about how marketers and operators come together inside of a business. And you guys can tell just by the topic there that we are going to have a lot to talk about. We have some really cool overlapping experiences and we're going to let you behind the scenes of our conversation and hopefully enlighten you on how the power of both of these roles as we are in and we grow other people's businesses, but also show you and, and help you get clarity on where you reside. So before I dive in, I want to let you know the formal introduction of Veronica. She is a dream team architect helping online entrepreneurs dial in their team, develop phenomenal company values and profitable bottom lines. She's a former speaker and trainer for Tony Robbins and Dean Graciosi and the former chief of staff, a word you want to hold on to, former chief of staff of the mega brand Boss Babe. She's no stranger to the stage and has been in the online marketing space for 15 years, over 15 years, having been featured in places like Forbes, Inc., The Huffington Post, and and more. When she's on helping her visionary clients scale to eight figures plus and developing their rainmaking marketing leaders, another term we're going to come back to today, you can find her wrangling her two man cubs in the beautiful oak trees of North Carolina. I am so excited to have you here. This is going to be really hard for us to just not go on a million different tangents because we overlap. We have such a good connection. I know that one of our mutual friends introduced us. And ever since then, it's like, I wish we just lived next door because I think we would really tear it up. (laughs) Well, in a good way and a bad way where our husbands like get a call at two in the morning and they're like, what is happening? I'm like, it's fine. It's Natalie's fault. And Natalie's telling her husband, it's Veronica's fault. And that's the kind of friendships that, you know, that we have. (laughs) Yes. Talking all the things about business and life. So well, Veronica, let's dive into the, the overlapping beliefs that we have in how to stand up and build businesses. Do you want to kind of share your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think where we originally, I mean, we certainly got introduced and started courting each other, little online flirtations here and there through Voxer that translated into Zoom. We're like literally matching our decor right now. I'm, I'm the wall color that Natalie's office is. That's also there. But we, I think originally connected or at least the aha came when, I think when I said the word Frankenstein rolls potentially, I think that's what it was because I am so allergic, so anti the idea that you can expect one person or several people in the organization to perform four, five, six different functions that really truly should be separated. Like I don't believe that somebody should be half platypus, half giraffe, half this. And then you realistically think they're going to be excellent and shine. 
And that's what's happening a lot, certainly in the online space, because the owner themselves have been a Frankenstein role. Their marketing, their ops, their finance, they're their own executive assistant with a, a different alias email address. Like they're doing all the things. And if they don't come from corporate or something that had more like defined lanes, like in our experience, then they're going to then transfer that Frankensteinness to everybody they hire underneath them in the process of trying to scale. And it creates a lot of burnout a lot of really poor team member turnover. And I think it's giving the industry a really bad reputation, to be honest. Man, I think, I know the people that have been in our program, the students that we have had have heard this. And I also know the listeners on this podcast have heard me sing the exact same songs Mm -hmm. that you just mentioned, but it is, it's poisonous. It's dangerous. It's honestly oppressive. It's the worst thing that we can be doing. And, you know, in corporate, if we can travel back into our corporate days, you had the ambiguity. Sometimes you had the authority to do and try different things on, but you did that in like a project setting. So maybe I have HR skills and I want to become a better project manager. Well, then they would give me a project to own. In this space, we're talking about disciplines that do not overlap one second. And those disciplines to me that become very clear, I had to do my own work in this because when I left corporate and jumped in to running and operating my own small business, it was that feeling you described of complete overwhelm because Mm -hmm. as we have defined it, there are seven, possibly eight, depending on your business structure, different strategic objectives that we're managing. So if you're a lean, lean team or a solopreneur or the only person inside of your business, all of a sudden you're wearing at least seven different hats and that's just your business life. Don't forget all the hats you're you're wearing at home and in your own community. So that's what really helped us to set some intellectual property together to help people be very clear. And the two sides of business that I see that really are agnostic of business model, business size, or anything like that are the marketing and the Mm -hmm. operational sides. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny because when I, mind you, I'm the oldest daughter of two Cuban immigrant parents who started an air conditioning company when I was like an infant, right? And I've had it for over 30 years. So like I've seen grit. And I've seen my parents wear every freaking hat in the book. And I've, I mean, right, like at one point the office was in our garage and then they had, an, they, they scaled up and they had scaled down. I mean, it's so many different chapters. So I'm certainly used to seeing anyone who's starting in those really early stages of the business, having to do all the things. And I honor it. I am in awe of it. What shocked me, I mean, shocked me was when I started working with clients that were certainly way over 5 million. I mean, the big names, over 5 million, over eight figures, and they were still operating as if they were my parents in a garage. I think that the discouraging part was the expectations where that's normal and that's how it should be. And that's where you and I completely are on the same page. It's not normal. It should not be like that. And you're setting people up, really great people up for enormous failure, no fault of their own. And you're right. It's marketing and operations that gets really badly discombobulated. And like, and I think we should just define it how I define it, how you define it. For me, marketing is very prospect centric activity. Your job is to go from $0 to $1. When I think of operations and fulfillment, I think of very customer centric activity where you're taking that initial dollar and you're turning it to two, three, four, five, right? Like, so that discipline of, courting a prospect, flirting with the prospect, asking them to go on a date with you, eventually asking them to marry you is very different than being in a seven-year marriage, which is the customer side. Do you know what I mean? So like, that's how I define those two already. 
Absolutely, Veronica. I am the same way. I see marketing and sales as the front side of business. I see operations and delivery on the backside. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that backside is also kind of like the foundation, right? Like Mm -hmm. the legal, like the finance. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter if it's front or backside. There are some tentacles to operations that really span the entire cycle. 100%. Yeah. But I factually, it is not normal to have the gifts and abilities in both sides of business as Mm -hmm. we have just described them. Sometimes even inside of operations or inside of marketing or inside of sales or inside of delivery, there are tentacles that you may go really, really deep in. So you don't always have to be a generalist or broad, but I do think if you're going to be a generalist, you want to pick a side. Pick your passion, look at your gifts, look at your skills and determine based off of your experiences where you want to live and own that place. But when you are starting a business and if you're listening to this today and you are a business owner and you're just getting things off the ground, know that Mm -hmm. not to discourage you, but the reason that businesses fail so frequently in the first five years is because of what we've just talked about. We are lean machines, one person you have a tendency to be, you know, either the front or the back side of business, but it doesn't matter to be yeah. successful, to get it off the ground. You have to be able to function and just do those activities from both sides. And so sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes we get overwhelmed, actually all the times as we're growing businesses, we get overwhelmed, we're overworked, we're stressed. We don't know we're uncomfortable. Like all of those things exist. And Yes, you will go through those. As we go through those, and both Veronica and I have helped build and expand lots of teams from lean teams to efficient, bigger teams, we are always looking to take the weaker side, whatever the leader has, whether they're the front side or the back side, I tend to find that they're heavier or stronger in the marketing side and they need help on the op side. So they start growing their team in the operational space. And because they get strapped, because they get desperate, we have to help remind them that that person needs to stay on the operation side of business. And just this afternoon, Veronica, I was on a, a call with somebody and she was going through all of the responsibilities that she wanted this ops manager. She came in with a title and told me she wanted an ops manager. Here are the responsibilities that she wanted. And then she started like flirting and mentioning mm-hmm. some things around PR. And mm-hmm. she used the word marketing <laughs> and she used mm-hmm. this. And I feel responsible if I'm going to help people build their organizations by helping them to hire talent. I had to call the timeout and say, I'm sorry, friend. Mm-hmm. Let me explain what we just talked about. There's a front side, there's a back side. We can't expect the crossover. And truly, you're not setting that person up for success. The person who comes in, who's going to be over your payroll, going to be making sure that your projects get done, making sure that yeah. your inventory isn't, making sure that your clients can schedule. Those are not the same skill set as the person who is looking for PR partnerships. It just doesn't happen like that. So she was very receptive. And I really think that people want to know that. They just don't know because they're emulating what they see other people doing. And I think that you and I, I love that we're on the same team Mm -hmm. with helping to educate these. It doesn't matter, six, seven, eight, 10, 20 figure entrepreneurs and businesses that you can't have the hybrid, that the hybrid doesn't work and it doesn't work long. It's painful. It's destructive. Yeah. Well, and that comes from my own personal experience because even how I grew up in, I guess, in my own little corporate track and my own career path, I'm coming from a marketing background. You know, how some people will come up through finance some people will come up through operations. I'm coming up from marketing. So I've you know, I started my career at Ancestry.com as the email deployer. So I was like the 20-year-old that was deploying millions of emails for people with their genealogy, right? 
And then I'm obviously coming up and then being a director of marketing and then chief and then now chief of staff. But I knew what it was to hold the mantle of being a marketing leader for some really, really, really freaking big brands and big departments, a $21 million department. And then at the same time, also watching my peers in the operations field who are gifted and have that brain. It's a very different brain, right? That are so gifted in operations. And that was very clearly delineated in a corporate setting. But then in the online world, all of a sudden, what I notice, I don't know if you disagree or not, I feel like your door gets knocked on first because I feel like the online personality that's doing really well and, and is growing their followers, growing their email list is really face forward and they are the primary marketer. So where they're going to let go of the vine first is usually in their back end. It's usually in the operations, it's in the customer service, it's in that so they can keep doing the, the show and the pony and all the things. And they're doing the Facebook challenges and the webinars and stuff like that. So they're going to start letting go of the operations but then they don't know how to get rid of their marketing. Like all of a sudden it's like, I'm scaling, I'm scaling, I'm scaling. I feel like I'm both the diva on the stage and the band choreographer behind the curtain. And I'm the makeup artist and the hair, you know, wardrobe, hair, all this stuff. Like, especially during the launch, like they feel like they're everywhere. And at some point they have to relinquish the coordination of the concert so that all they have to do is perform they just don't know who to go to. So they ask an operations person to be that primary like marketing chorister. And that's where things can go really wrong very quickly. I think, I don't know about you. 100% agree. That's exactly my experience. So we teach our students to ask, and I, this is something that I have done for a really long time because you're right. The majority of visionaries and CEOs that we work with, their most natural gift, if we're looking at the front side or, or marketing side versus the operations side, which I refer to as front and back side of business, when I'm talking to that leader, I ask them, which side comes most natural to you? And I would say eight times out of 10, marketing, marketing heavy, because how do we get into small business? Most of them are passion-based businesses or the audience that they're talking to is their passion. So they're fired up about it. So it's easy for them to get in front and start selling it. So that's how success comes to them. And then of course, over time, they want to get rid of those things. So I asked them up front, which side do you reside on? Do you spend the majority of your time? Where's your interest? Where's your passion? Right. And let's start hiring for the other side first. Yes. And then there's you know some methodology that goes into who to hire. But I do, I agree with you. I find that, that CEOs are more often marketers than operators. And that's how, you know, they'll grow their businesses like with the greatest amount of success. Well, 100%. It's like when you, I mean, we're mothers here, right? So like when you had a baby, you like told everybody, I had a baby, look, I made this and I'm its leader. And I like, and you tell everybody about your baby. Well, your business is your baby. It's just like on the other side of your hip. So yeah, you're right. Like when you're first getting going, you're telling your mom, you're telling everybody at church, you're telling everybody in the neighborhood, like it's like Girl Scouts, like on steroids. Like you're just so excited to tell the world about your brand new baby. Mm -hmm. But at some point too, like you shouldn't be the only person that's stressing about whether or not the baby's getting fed. Yeah, I And it. therein lies the problem because it's really difficult to scale a business, be the face, and then also be usually the singular source of either decision-making or money-making ideation and activity. And that's where people are going to like, I want to burn this to the ground. That's when you start hearing that, like, at least for me, when I'm working with my clients, that's when I start hearing that language because it's just too much. It's all just too much. Because when the business grows to that level, the leader, the person who's yeah. been the marketer, the yep. leader, yep. even in that capacity, they're splitting time between leading, growing, scaling their business and doing the marketing activities. 
And at some point, I've seen it in my own business. You're seeing it in your business. I then had to hand over the marketing. I even had to hand over the operations, which is my sweet spot, so that I could get in deeper and protect the brand at all costs to protect my team, to grow my team and step into really almost exclusively full-time leadership, which is the next step. And that's a really good turn here in this conversation because I I find that when we've built up marketing and operations and we've got some stability there, never perfect, but some stability there. And that leader is making that ascension or taking his or her next step into true CEO hood as it technically should be. Titles kill me because like using the word CEO, I'm like, okay, okay. But anyway, when they're making that ascension into nearly full-time leadership, Yep. That's where the two disciplines, marketing and operations, really have to start talking. And so I want to spend some time today talking about how marketing and operations, how those leaders come together. And I'm not talking titles today, but how those two people come together to handle projects, to handle these things and where we overlap, what we should watch for, because we've got a bunch of listeners here who are clearly operators aspiring directors of operations and certified Mm -hmm. directors of operations. And we long for a counterpart Mm -hmm. with as much Mm -hmm. passion, skill, knowledge, experience on the front side of business. Yeah. It's interesting because to me, I mean, again, like you said, titles aside, call yourself, whatever you want to call yourself, CEO, chief visionary officer. I don't get like, I really don't care. At some point it's this like three musketeers. It's the trifecta, right? It's you at the tippity top. So you, Natalie, me, Veronica, we're going to get to a place where we're spending more time outside of the house talking about the house than spending time in the house, right? So like we're on podcasts, we're going to masterminds, we're speaking on stages. Like our KPI starts to change from all of the stuff and the list to like, how many times did I speak on behalf of the mission and the vision of this company? that's my new KPI week to week. And if I'm not speaking on behalf of this mission and vision, then the company's in peril because I can, I'm the person that does it best. I'm the Steve Jobs that will get on stage in a black turtleneck and like sell the crap out of this thing. And I do that best because what I made it right. So there comes a place where that person, that visionary has to let go of the day-to-day operations and the day-to-day marketing, no doubt. But when you let that go, you don't want to like you don't want to transfer the overwhelm and the burnout from yourself to just one singular person. That's not fair. So that's where you and I, I know that we believe in this, where it's like, okay, the visionary or whatever you want to call yourself at the tippity top, but then you have somebody who loves on that prospect, like eat, pray, love with that prospect and somebody who's burping and rocking and, you know, loving on that customer and they're equals. The marketing head, I don't director of marketing, CMO, head of, I don't care, head of marketing, head of like operations, to your point, delivery fulfillment, right? And they are equal to one another and they are this two sides of the same coin, but exercising different gifts and zone of genius and quite frankly, managing very different personnel and personalities. If you think of the composition of a marketing team, I call them smart creatives, managing smart creatives is a whole other thing. <laughs> we could talk about that whole other thing. But then, Mark, you know, managing customer service reps and uh, customer concierge, and like that's also a different personality. And they, in my personal opinion, because I've been able to do both roles in my career, that's a different team dynamic too, right? So you have to find a leader who's not only phenomenal for either prospect oriented activity or customer oriented activity, but is a better fit for the type of team personnel and dynamics that you have that would be very drastically different in my experience. They are the and 
another thing that I have seen is leaders and businesses will invest in a larger capacity in the operational side initially Mm -hmm. because they're desperate. They need the help. They also want to make sure that the customer, client, student, patient, whoever it is, stays happy, healthy, and returns. Whereas on the front side, I see that there are more, you know, there's definitely more people, more humans to manage on the front side of business in the marketing space and a lot more fractional and freelance work that is going to be needed. Yes, big time. Marketers that are worth their weight tend to avoid employment status. <laughs> they, I mean, again, think you, you drink from the Kool-Aid. So it's really difficult to be a marketer for an organization that's promoting entrepreneurship and then you not wanting to feel the urge of entrepreneurship yourself. So a lot of really smart marketing teams will have a variety of whether it be assistants, contractors, retainers. I mean, it's a cocktail of employment statuses and types without a shadow of a doubt, which requires a very unique leader. I call them rainmakers because I used to call my marketing Slack channel, the rainmaker channel because we make it rain. So that's what you're going to hear me. You'll hear me reference rainmakers. It's like that leader that is over the people that make it rain for the organization. So it's not just on the shoulders of the visionary. Tell me more about the the term rainmaker, what that means. <laughs> and I want to go deep into that because when I first saw it, I was like, what? I mean, you ran the program. So she has a, a program that's out there right now that we, my team, both Sky and I are a part of. And we'll yeah. we'll dive into that because I think that everybody needs to hear about that. But let's talk. When I first heard you use the word rainmaker, I was like, ah, super smart. I get where you're going with this. Yeah. And that is the revenue generating part of the business, right? Yep. They they generate revenue and my side or the backside helps to optimize, multiply and scale that. Multiply. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about Rainmakers. Yeah. So, okay. I just, in my personal experience, I've worked at companies that have phenomenal company values. So my last big, big corporation that I worked at, it's a company called Entrada and they have these really cool values, you know, talk to me, goose business in the front party in the back. Like there's a lot of references to, you know, iconic movies. They really encouraged each department, each team to have its own flavor and personality. So you would, I think the leadership team was called like the purple unicorns because <laughs> they were trying to go for unicorn status. So I come from that philosophy. I was a beneficiary of a really cool company culture where we celebrated individuality. We celebrated different teams within a bigger organization, right? And so when I took over at Boss Babe, we had a lot of turnover in the marketing department and I I came in and stepped in, not just even as chief of staff, but I was also now the marketing leader in that in that really hard transition period. The marketing team culture-wise was really at a deficit. They were hurting. They felt lost, overwhelmed, overworked, burnt out. And so part of what I started to do as that brand new appointed leader, certainly in this transition was to try to like help them feel loved and help them feel valued and also excited about the team they were in. And so I renamed the Slack channel the rainmakers, you know, very cheeky, like, but we make it rain. <laughs> like if you picture my hands, like we're making it rain. So that's where it comes from. So when I go to all these masterminds now, certainly as a visionary, and I'm talking to people like Natalie, like myself, you know, we're amongst our peers and everybody in the mastermind is like lamenting, like, I don't want to do my own marketing anymore. And like, they had gone, they like, we can't find marketers. We can't find marketers. We can't find marketing leaders. Like, nobody wants to work, you know, it was that complaint. And I'm like, well, number one, <laughs> they don't want to work for you because the industry has spit them out, chewed them out and they're burnt out. So let's talk about that for a second. But then the other reason too, is that sometimes, you know, these corporate shiny marketers don't always translate to the wild, wild west of online entrepreneurship. You have to home grow them. You have to develop them. They ha- you have to help them 
learn how to be a marketing leader effectively for this industry that is insane. Insane. We launch at an insane pace. Like we do some really crazy stuff, right? And they're like, well, if you know how to do it, then you should just, you make me one. I'm like, fine, I'll do it. And that's, I mean, I'm very much a Cuban, Virgo, Enneagram 8, all the things. You challenge me, I'm going to do it. So I did. I made a program called the Rainmaker Residency, which is basically making DOO's best friends. Like I'm making the marketing leader so that they're not alone to carry the weight of a scaling business. And that is exactly the dream state that directors of operations really want because we do get into that place where, and in smaller businesses, you almost have to, where the operator comes in as a strategic partner, especially at the DOO level, they come in as the strategic partner. So marketing is going to be a part of an operator's conversation with the CEO. It has to be. And then there is that gray area of marketing operations Mm -hmm. that takes place. And so And we have to have really good boundaries and we teach Mm -hmm. this and we want this so, so badly because I want to be involved in the conversations, but I don't want to be responsible for the marketing strategy. I cannot do that because I'm not knowledgeable. I'm not confident. I don't spend my time figuring those things and my brain frankly doesn't work there. And so I can tell you with what I am seeing in the market. I can do, you know, external analysis. I can look internally and see what's broken because we're great at seeing opportunities, issues, risks, those types of things. But the strategy doesn't, the marketing strategy does not come from me. So we do want a best friend on the other side because, (laughs) and not every business is going to be able to get there. It, It takes a lot of revenue to get to that point. And just so I'm clear with those of you guys who are listening right now, even when a company doesn't matter how big they are, but when a company has a leader, I don't care what they call them again, but if it's a marketing manager or an ops manager, let's just go with those terms for today. And they may be in a fractional capacity, yep. still okay. They're still owning those functions for that business. And so I believe I know this from my own experience that you'll come in as an operator. We already mentioned they like to bring us on first. Yes, they do. Offboard a lot of those things. And I caution you to be aware when you start to see the overlap and stop it before it ever starts. Because there are people and you want to help the leader to see how they can grow their organization by getting to a place where we can bring in that rainmaker. That will be, I mean, in my own team, we have seen our business be able, internal workings, I'm not talking you know, revenue and we certainly could have that conversation, but when you have really, really clean delineated roles. Everybody's in their zone. Everybody is even closer tied to the mission that we have set together. We're all rowing, you know, the analogy, you've got way better analogies than me, by the way, this whole baby and rocking business. I was like, (laughs) yes to all of that. But when we're able to row the same direction, we're going to get there a whole lot faster versus me trying to be disguised as two roles. And you're going to get stuck there if you don't stand up for yourself. It's just natural when you become a trusted partner of the leader for them to want to dump the things that they're trying to avoid, the things that they're uncertain about, the things that are challenging onto you. So can you be a sounding board? Yes. Will you have to be a part of marketing conversations? I sure hope you want to be. I hope so. Yeah. But just like they want to be a part of our operational conversations. However, you're not leading them because you don't own the strategy. Oh my gosh. Like I just want to like scream it out loud. Yeah. So you're right. There's, 
it's not to say that you can't have somebody who is operationally minded also have a flair or affection for marketing. Like, oh, I love watching the commercials during the Super Bowl more than I like watching the game. Like, that's fine, right? Like, I, I'm not saying that you can't take somebody who is operational and like they have an affinity for marketing and vice versa. I really hope that in the marketing department that we also think about workflows and project management. Like there's some really good, like if you want to execute some phenomenal marketing, you also still need that kind of operational skill set that you're teaching. However, what you said is perfection. It's really who's responsible for the outcomes. Yeah. And that's where I think it's just so unfair for one singular leader in a scaling organization to have KPIs that span both marketing and customer centric deliverability. Fine. Like that's just a lot to ask of one person. If it's a lot to ask of you, the visionary, like it's really going to be even that much more to ask for somebody in the organization of the leader without having a counterpart to carry the weight and the balance, like just weight distribution of responsibilities is what I'm talking about here. You don't want the company to be so lopsided because if that person gets burnt out, which is what happens now, you're really kind of screwed. Right. And that you see that time and time again, where then visionaries start to shut down. They'll tell themselves like, I did try to hire. It didn't work. Like it's not about hiring. It's about hiring and developing your people. It's about giving them a container. So anyways, we could talk about this all day long, but yes, like Marketing is a gift and it certainly needs its own dedicated lane because it has very specific KPIs that are not the same KPIs as retaining a customer and servicing a customer. And if you want two leaders with separate but equally valuable KPIs and outcomes that they're responsible to benefit the company at the same time, because it's that, that's the superpower when you can unlock on both the front side and the back side. Yeah. That's when we start really getting somewhere really fast with a lot greater ease. And not only is the team fulfilled, the brand looks better and the retention of the client, customer, student, patient, whatever they look like, that's when that becomes the strongest it has ever been. That's why we see companies once they get to this point, you know, you'll see stats and you'll hear them maybe even brag or post this where they have grown three times or four times over mm-hmm. in one year. It's when they reach this that we've ta- that we're talking about where there's clear defined KPIs mm-hmm. for each side of the business. The leader has their role, these yeah. two one marketing, one ops leader with teams underneath. And so it takes a minute to get there. I'm not going to lie. It sure. takes a minute. It takes a lot of, of grit to get to this point. The clarity is when you get there, oh my goodness, it is yeah. really so, and your work doesn't become less, it becomes different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to talk about the revenue implications and the synergy, because for me, if I know that I have my best friend in operations crushing it and this like loving and super intimate with the customers as a marketer, to me, some of the best innovation comes from the front lines, period. So if I know that my operations leader and their team is intimately aware of what the customer needing, wanting next or struggling with, that influences my marketing. There's no way that it doesn't influence my marketing. I come up with some of the best ideas because I take the feedback that comes from an MPS score that comes from what's in the inbox of customer service, right? Vice versa. If I have an operations leader who's crushing it and really multiplying that revenue that I brought through the front door, that puts less pressure on me as the marketer to have to launch every freaking month because that's insane, right? So to me, what I see certainly as a dream team architect, as a fractional chief of staff, when I'm like overseeing the whole company and some of my consulting work is that when you have strong, equally distributed leadership outcomes, responsibilities, the revenue is found in more than just one department. It's not just on the shoulders of the visionary. It's not just in like 
all of your marketing is not hanging on the launch because your ops team is also crushing it and your ops team is feeding the marketing team and vice versa. There's this really beautiful revenue synergy that starts to happen where revenue is kind of pouring out of all sides of the business, not just one primary side that's feast or famine, feast or famine, feast or famine. We just, we need to get out of that immediately to protect everybody. Yeah. We just did something like that with our rainmaker who is, mm-hmm. who is in your program and is loving it. But we did something after our last launch. This is not novel, but we just mm-hmm. haven't done it. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you buy? Mm-hmm. So she reached out. She asked that. We got more responses than I... I mean, I've done this in other people's businesses and we got such great responses. The volume of responses shocked all of us. And from there, talk about the synergy that happens. Yep. We start looking at these and we're like, oh... Now we have, you know, we're, we're always looking for warming people up, right? Taking that cold audience to a warmer audience, eventually getting them on a conversion event with us, which is a live event or a master class or whatever training that may be, but we're looking to warm them up in between so that they're really, really warm when it comes time for an event. And because we gather that information, we operationalized the effort of asking for that information. We took it in and now we get to create some specific lead magnets answering those questions or opt-ins, whatever it is that you call them. And awesome. yeah, I mean, and we're listening to, that's an example that mm-hmm. came to mind of the two mm-hmm. parties working together mm-hmm. to bring that up. And then, you know, there, there's a ton of different other ways that that happens and we've been a part of those, but bringing them together, I can see the load mm-hmm. that is taken off the shoulders of the front lines or the, you yeah. know, the marketer, the rainmaker. Both, both sides. It's so nice. Like they really, when I go in and I kind of install leadership teams for my clients, like, I mean, their meeting schedules, everything like that. The intention is that they become besties. <laughs> like you're going to hang out every week. You're going to have discourse. I mean, like that's what you want. It's not competition. It's really fantastic, yeah. healthy, back and forth. I call it the ping pong. I love to ping pong with people. I think leaders should ping pong with people. If there's only two leaders, you only have two people to ping pong. If you have three, it's like the magical number, even with kids, sometimes the studies have shown it's like actually even better to have that dynamic and that synergy in the trifecta that is honestly my goal all the time. (laughs) So as operators and businesses, we take over a lot of the hiring. And so if we are at the place in a business whether it's our own business or businesses that we're supporting and we're going to be bringing in a marketer, Mm -hmm. let's Mm -hmm. just say like a marketing manager level, Mm -hmm. manager to director, maybe chief, whatever. Any advice you have for us in getting specific on what we need on the mark in the marketing space? So in my world, in the marketing world, there's like kind of different disciplines, right? There's like clearly the marketing strategy and the strategic thinker. There's the marketing task delegator, which is more PME. And like, they're really, really good at like, deconstructing the Caesar salad, so to speak, of my strategy. And then of course, there's like all the rock star marketing doers. There's the podcast manager, the social media manager, the PPC manager. Like these are really great specialists in certain areas. When you're thinking about a rainmaker, when you're thinking, okay, we're at a place where the visionary doesn't want to have six people voxing them, slacking them every day to tell them what to do on the marketing side. And we want to have like a manager, a leader. The best place is really honestly to find them within the organization. Like if you already have a rock star doer who has an inkling or a passion for people management, I can take that all day and show you exactly what to do. Not a problem. If you look at the organization, you're like, you know, I have a lot of contractors and part-timers and this and this. I genuinely can't see any of them being 
my head of marketing. I don't see them loving people or being people manager material. I'm not really sure about their leadership. Then you're going to want to go through a recruiter. You're going to want to go and you're going to want to hire. But even in the hiring process, what you're looking for is somebody who has proven themselves in individual contribution and has an affinity for people management. Because just because you're really good by yourself doesn't mean you're going to be really good leading a team of 10. And that's the jump that I think a lot of recruiters have to look for and ask a lot of questions in that regard. I'm glad you mentioned the people management piece because I'm with you. I think that we can teach skill yep, and we can learn strategy. I, yep. I didn't say teach strategy. Yeah. I think you can learn strategy once yep. you are inside. And so truly being able to develop somebody into that chief yep. or executive role or entry-level yep. executive role is certainly doable. But without people management, it's broken. Mm-hmm. It won't work. You're yep. going to contribute to higher turnover. It's it's going to be yep. hard. The other yep. piece with the people management on the marketing side, we touched on it earlier. Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of person. Oh, yes. It's not the same type of person it could be a completely different classification of person. Mm-hmm. You're looking at a lot of independent contractors and such. So mm-hmm. having a people manager who enjoys managing that person and not having to be responsible as it is for a lot of companies where me or the operator is in charge of managing the personalities, the people, the yep. outcomes of yep. you know both front and backside. Yeah. When you find that person that has the interest, the aptitude, yeah. To be able to manage the marketing team, yeah, marketing team. I mean, like, like I said, we have we're all over the world. We're in extreme time zone differences. Sometimes some of us are part time, some of us are on retainer, some of us are a contractor. Some, I mean, but then on top of that, you also add, and I say this with so much love, but you also add smart creatives that tend to either have ADHD, ADD, like the gift to do what they do usually also comes like your greatest strengths or your greatest weaknesses. So that's a whole other layer too. The best marketers are either ADHD, ADD, empathetic, like an empath or highly sensitive people. Mm-hmm. That's just been my personal experience leading marketing teams over the last 15 years. And you need to be the kind of people manager that understands that these are not robots. They're going to have highs and lows. There's going to be writer's block. There's going to be a lot of things that you have to learn how to navigate these people through so that they're overwhelm becomes actually their greatest source of genius because you're helping them through that. I love that. So it's actually a lot of people development. It's not even like there's people management. I almost feel like I have a personal responsibility to develop them as human beings too. Yeah. Tell us about Rainmaker Residency. Who's it for? What do you do inside? Yes. Tell us because I've tried, you know, how do you put this? Because it's not a certification. So just let's just to say that it's not a certification to me, the way that I've defined it, it's, it is very much a cocktail. It's like an MBA had a baby with a mastermind. So like the MBA part is the masters of like marketing leadership. I will literally make you a marketing leader if you put your person through it. And then of course, there's like that mastermind component that there's laser coaching. And then we're going to get together in person and there's Slack channels that we're all hanging out. And there's the launch hotline when the launch is going crazy. Like we have all of those components where they're like helping each other out. But I'm calling it a leadership development program for two, not just for one. I actually require that the visionary and the rainmaker go through it together. I require it. Let me say that. I require it. Why? Because I'm taking away a job from the visionary and that's going to cause some feelings. Because right now the visionary is the primary marketer. So I have to like 
show them the path to release that responsibility that they've been carrying since the day they started their business to hand it off to the rainmaker and doing it in a healthy way. So they're both setting each other up for success. So it's a two for one program if you really think about it. So the program is for businesses that already have a marketer inside they're looking to develop, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and then for those that don't have a counterpart, Yes. Where do you recommend? I mean, where do we start? It is. I mean, I don't even know if you can answer this because it has been very, very hard. It's it's the hardest role for us to fill is Mm -hmm. that marketing manager, marketing director level. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. and when I tell people about your program, they're like, where do I find that person? (laughs) (laughs) So it's funny because I even look at the group that we have right now, Natalie, like I think what two or three of them are brand spanking new marketing employees for the the visionary. They haven't had a working relationship. They're going through the program also as like a brand new hire where the other ones, the other like half of the group is somebody that was already in the organization who was a project manager, who was their PPC manager, who was already Mm. there and did great and now is coming up. So I've seen both scenarios. So if you currently don't have a rainmaker prospect or there's nobody on your team that you think would be a great fit, then obviously now would be certainly we're about to enter Q2. Like we're certainly now would be the time for you to like go and find somebody who can make it rain during April or May. And that's when I usually partner with recruiters such as yourself. You guys know what I'm looking for because you know what a best friend looks like that you need, right? So it's usually when I recommend people to my favorite recruiters and like, okay, these people will take care of you. They know exactly the person that I can take, put through the program and create a killer uh, rainmaker for you. That's good advice for us as we are building out the counterpart on the other side. If the business isn't ready to go straight into that marketing manager space, go one level below that, right? We love to develop them and you've got a phenomenal program to help them step in. They just, you know, of course you're looking for that culture fit and to be able to return value to the business in a short amount of time, which doesn't always have to be at that manager level initially. So exactly. Yeah. Yes. Well, I have loved chatting with you. I I wanted to the I mean, of course I want to chat with you all the time, but it's so important as I am developing and mentoring women in the operational Mm -hmm. space. It's just organic and natural that we bring up like, oh, we're feeling really great over here because we've got this community. But in real life, we're really stretched and we go through a lot of doubting ourselves because we aren't marketing managers. We are not marketing strategists. And sometimes yes. people try to put us in there. And so yeah. I was excited today to have you on to share this conversation that you and I have had several times, but also to let the people know who are in operational roles that you really do need to define where you start and where you end. I encourage you not to overlap into the marketing space to make yes. it known to the leader. You're going to have to teach the leader what where you start and where you end. Yes. And this is not you. This is the way the industry needs to be built. The reason yep. that we see the turnover, the burnout that we do is because we are taking human beings and trying to make them seven human beings at one time. It Frankenstein. Just, yes, Frankenstein. It just doesn't work. So thank you so much for being here, friend. I am so grateful that we are together. We are in this together and we can support each other and our communities as, as we repair the damage that we see that has been done. And I know that the efforts that us, our communities are going to do together really will make a big difference in the health of the human that is running those pieces. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I think repair 
is a really nice way of putting some of the things I think you and I have both seen. I think there's a lot of trauma out there, but it's also too, I think it's not that I want to ever paint the visionary as the bad guy. That's not it. Like I too, as a visionary, you know, I've been in both seats. Like I know the stress that I feel to pay people. I know the stress I feel to feed my own family and feed the families of the people that I employ and serve, you know, it's just, it's a really heavy mantle all because I have a passion to do something different in the world. And I have enough guts to try something, man. I like to be able to carry that weight and to go on that journey, not alone is everything. Yeah. So they're looking for it just as much as we, as team members, as leaders also want to be with, with people that appreciate us and love us and put us in places that we're exercising our zone of genius. Like I see it every day. I see every day where leaders are trying to find good homes. And I see every day where entrepreneurs, like I'm ready to let go and I don't know how. And I feel like the two of us have found a way to show everybody how on both sides. And it's really beautiful to see that. Yeah. Awesome. Alrighty, friends, Veronica, where can they find you? And do you want to share anything else? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I would love to connect with people on social media and whatnot. I'm everywhere is just V Romney and my main website's veronicaromney.com. But if you want to check out the Rainmaker Residency, it's literally that rainmakerresidency.com. Yes. And you have an awesome downloadable. I know I have it myself around the dream team. Do you want to share that? Yeah. It's my executive dream team guide. It's where I, I show you the composition of the team and who you potentially might be missing because of their zone of excellence and genius. And so it's a really fun kind of grid and chart that you can check out. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, friend. I appreciate you. And I look forward to many more deep conversations as we build, as we build other people up around us. So thanks for being here, friend. Thank you for investing just a little bit of time to listen to this episode of the Ops Authority Podcast. I am so grateful to be surrounded by real action takers like you who are invested in growing their business through operations. Will you add one more action to your to-do list today? Visit theopsauthoritypodcast.com where you can join our community of business owners and other ops experts. You're going to hear from me in a week, but in the meantime, do big things on the backside of your business.